Welcome to 7-Minute Torah, an exploration of the weekly Torah portion. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. This podcast consists of about 7 to 10 minutes on the weekly parasha, hence the name 7-Minute Torah. Some weeks it's just me, and other weeks I'm in conversation with another rabbi or a Jewish thought leader. Thanks for listening. This week, the Torah's main narrative moves from the receiving of laws to the creation of structures, and specifically the structure of a sanctuary. We're reading the third parsha that takes place at Mount Sinai. It's called Truma, and Truma is part of an extended series of parashiot that take place at Sinai, starting several weeks ago with Yitro, in which the people receive the Ten Commandments, continuing last week with Mishpatim, which is a whole series of laws, and continuing now with the creation of the Mishkan, the portable sanctuary in the desert, the priesthood, and the inauguration of all of those structures over the course of the next book and a half of Torah. The Parsha begins with these words, it says, Daber Adonai el Moshe lemor. God spoke to Moses saying, Daber el Bnei Israel vikhuli truma. Tell the people of Israel to bring me a gift or an offering from every person whose heart so moves them. Then it goes on to list the kinds of gifts that should be brought. Gold, silver, copper, various colors of yarn, linen, fabrics, woods, oils, things that are going to be used to build the Mishkan, the tabernacle or portable sanctuary. And it says, Let them build me a sanctuary so that I may dwell among them. The rest of the parsha, a couple of chapters worth, is filled with instructions on how exactly to go about building this structure both the structure itself with the outer walls and the inner walls, as well as all of the accoutrements that go along with the structure, the menorah, the table, the altar, the places where sacrifice and where holy service would take place. So we have here a set of, you might say, sacred blueprints for building this portable sanctuary that the people would carry with them for the next 40 years in the desert. Now, those of us who read Torah regularly are so used to the idea that the people carry a tabernacle or a mishkan through the desert that we don't always stop to think about how strange it is. They are actually building a building that they are going to dismantle and rebuild every time they move. And later on in Torah, it will describe exactly which priestly clans were charged with breaking things down and building them back and carrying them from place to place. It's a really strange structure. And I think we have to ask ourselves why. Why would the Torah imagine a portable building? It seems pretty clear, first of all, that this is probably not historical reality. There was a temple in Jerusalem, and it actually looked a fair amount like what's described here in this parsha, but it was not movable. They couldn't break down the stones and carry it from place to place. That is a work of literary and religious imagination, and I think it's here to teach us a few things about being Jewish. So let's start with the commentary of Nachmanides on that verse that I quoted earlier. Exodus 25.8 says, Va'asuli mikdash betocham. Let them make me a sanctuary, so that I may dwell among them. 
Now, Nachmanides, or the Ramban, notices that there's a different word tense here than in some of the rest of the Parsha. Elsewhere, when it says to make something, it's in the second person singular, as if God is commanding Moses individually to make these things or make sure that they get made. But here it's very clearly in the plural. Let them make me a sanctuary. And Nachmanides says that they refers to the Israelite people, that this is a task for all the people to be involved in. And in fact, we know this from the very opening of the portion where the people are commanded, as long as their hearts so move them, to bring contributions, to contribute things that will be involved in the making of the sanctuary. So this is a group effort. That's the first clue, the first piece of information about the meaning of this parsha. The second, which comes from the same verse, is the idea that God will dwell among them. V'shachanti betocham. The Torah very clearly does not say God will dwell inside the structure, but rather among or between the people. So this temple, this sanctuary is meant to be somehow a catalyst or an expression of the indwelling of God between people. And that gives us a sense of why it needs to be portable. We might have thought that God dwells in a building, in a temple. In fact, lots of ancient people believed that their gods essentially dwelt in a specific temple. But the Torah comes along to say, no, God dwells in the space between people, in the relationships between people. And that could be anywhere. It could be in a building in Jerusalem, or it could be by a river in Babylon. God can dwell with you wherever you happen to be in the moment. So we see here the beginnings of the idea that Judaism is meant to be portable. And that becomes a very powerful notion once the temple is destroyed and the Jews go into exile and begin to live in countries all over the world. Once that happens, Judaism can no longer be about a specific temple and about the bringing of animal sacrifice to that temple, even though those are exactly the implements that are being built in this portion. Judaism is now about the holy actions that you perform wherever you are and the holy relationships that you build with God dwelling between you. This makes me think about the work or the thinking of a very important Jewish theologian, of the early 20th century, and that's Martin Buber. Buber lived from 1878 to 1965. He was German and then Israeli, and he was a philosopher of dialogue and of relationship. He's best known for the idea that God is found in a certain kind of relationship between people. I'm going to read a few lines from Buber's seminal work, which is called Ish and Du, or I and Thou. Buber's language is a little bit old-fashioned. He does refer to man when he means humanity, but he's actually relatively gender-sensitive, especially for his time. So I'll, I'll read it as it's translated. He writes, The world is twofold for man in accordance with his twofold attitude. The attitude of man is twofold in accordance with the two basic words he can speak. Now, for Buber, these basic words are not individual words, but rather word pairs. One is I, you, and the other is I, it. And these are two forms of relationships, the kind of relationship where we see the other as a you, and the kind of relationship where we see the other as an it. We spend most of our lives in these I-it relationships. Every time you go to the grocery store and somebody checks out your groceries for you, every time... 
someone delivers your mail or you provide a service for somebody else, you're seeing the other as an it. But every once in a while, we enter into a moment of relationship where we see the other as you, as the individual for whom they are. And Buber suggests that who we are is different in these two forms of relationship. He writes, when one says you, the I of the word pair I you is said too. When one says it, the I of the word pair I it is said too. In other words, I'm different when I enter into a more respectful, more intimate, more fulsome relationship or even moment of relationship with someone else. We are changed and shaped by the ways that we relate to others. And at the beginning of part three of I and Thou, Buber says that extended, the lines of relationship intersect in the eternal you. By the eternal you, he means what we call God. He says people have addressed their eternal you by many names, but ultimately this is the transcendence, the, the power, the source of meaning, the thing that we call God. So for Buber, as I think for many people, God is found in the relationship, in the space between us. Just like it says in this parsha, Asuli Mikdash Veshachanti Betocham, God says, Make me a sanctuary so that I can dwell among you. So the Torah seems to be trying to teach us to be on the lookout for moments of transcendence, for moments of depth and connection, moments where we can glimpse the other as a you rather than an it, because in those moments we can also glimpse God. We need that in these pandemic times, maybe more than ever. But the truth is that connection with others is a basic human need. And that, I think, is why the Torah teaches us here to build it and to seek it out and to sanctify it, to make it holy. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Hey there, Rabbi Micah Streifer here. I want to invite you to continue the conversation in our new Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search 7-Minute Torah Listen and Discuss. Then you can join the group and join the conversation. See you there. Thanks for listening to 7-Minute Torah. If you enjoyed this program, please leave a review or a comment. And please pass it on to a friend. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week.